Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys about the murder of Chandra Levy. So grab yourself some coffee and let's dive on in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for our patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com crime over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support chandra levy grew up in northern california with her mom and dad bob and susan levy and her younger brother adam in the fall of 2000 she was about 24 years old and she was working on her master's degree in public administration through the university of southern california her goal with this degree was to start working with the fbi so she actually accepted an internship to finish out her master's degree where she would be moving to washington dc and interning with the bureau of prisons I don't think I knew that that was a bureau. Like, it makes sense, but it's just not something I've heard before. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with the Bureau of Prisons either. So um, it's actually an agency that was established in 1930, and they work on uh, ensuring that federal inmates are receiving humane care. So that's where she was doing her internship. And the plan was for her to finish her internship in December of 2000, but she decided that she wanted to stay longer and so she was going to be there until May of 2001 which would be when she was going to graduate. Her parents had come out to visit her in Washington DC a couple different times and every time they went out there they said that it seemed like Shonda really got along well there. She enjoyed her time and she was actually talking about possibly going back to DC and finding an official job there after she had graduated with her degree. She was also considering applying for the FBI and moving wherever they wanted or looking into attending law school. So she had a couple of different things on, in her mind. Her graduation ceremony was on May 11th. So at the beginning of May, she was going to be returning home to California so that she could be there to walk across the stage. Tuesday, May 1st is when she was supposed to get on a plane and land in California, but she never made it to the airport. And so her family starts reaching out to her, trying to call her, and they're unable to get a hold of her. So they try for a couple days, actually, until May 6th, so about five days. And then her parents at this point are very concerned because it's very unlike Chandra to not get back with them. So they call D.C. police and ask them to go and check on her at her apartment and just basically perform a wellness check. When police officers initially get to Chandra's apartment, they find that her ID, her driver's license, her credit cards, her checkbook, her jewelry, her cell phone, everything is still there. And it doesn't look like she has even left. They, however, do not find Chandra and they don't really find anything too out of the ordinary. The apartment seems to be in normal condition. So they decide to check her computer and they see that her most recent search was a place called the Pierce Klingel Mansion, which is located in Rock Creek Park in the Northwest District of Columbia. 
and they the, it's the specific mansion is actually an administrative office building at this place so police were like well let's go check that area out because that was her last search i believe that search had happened on may 1st as well so it was pretty early on right when she would have gone missing and so they go out to this park and they find nothing but they're searching near the mansion at this time because that's where it seemed like she was i don't know that they searched the entire park area but they were unable to find anything so her parents fly out from california to washington dc on may 16th with the hopes of finding their daughter there were a lot of different news reports where her parents would appear on television and in front of the cameras just asking for their daughter to come home safely there were some videos that i saw where her mom actually was holding a yellow duck in a lot of the videos and a stuffed yellow duck and the reason that she was holding that was because it was one of chandra's favorite toys as a little girl and i don't know if that she was hoping that that would get chandra's attention i don't know if she was hoping that would get chandra's attention or if she was just trying to bring a little bit more personality into the person that they were looking for that makes sense i mean we've heard that before where they're trying to humanize or you know kind of appeal to if somebody kidnapped someone was holding them and it also probably was just a little bit of a comfort for um, her mom too i would assume oh yeah this had to be a very difficult time for both of her parents so whatever comfort they could get would be absolutely welcomed i'm sure upon further investigation police do discover that the last time chandra was seen by anybody was april 30th and she had gone into the washington sports club where she had a gym membership and she had canceled it which seems sort of out of the ordinary but not really because she was planning on moving back to california the next day so there is an investigation that then goes on for the next year where police are looking into her disappearance they're looking into phone records internet usage they use bloodhounds to follow her scent and they're still continuing to search that park and they conducted hundreds of interviews but there were no leads that they could really follow she had friends out there she had co-workers out there but nobody knew where she would have gone. It sounds like she wouldn't have taken off. It sounded like things were going well. She had plans in place, so that seems odd. Yeah, nobody expected her to just run off. I mean, she was done with school. She was done with her internship. She was about to go graduate. Like, that's a really exciting Mm -hmm. time in your life. So nobody was expecting her to just disappear on her own accord. With her line of work that she was doing, was there any concern about in in may or recently released one having any type of connection so i didn't see anything specifically about that it's possible that somebody from that part of her life could have come after her but there was nothing that specifically stood out and i'm assuming that the hundreds of interviews that police conducted was looking into a lot of this now she was doing an internship with it and so it makes me feel like she probably wasn't going to be the forefront of people's minds if somebody was getting out of prison like I don't feel like they would go after the intern she probably was doing a lot more like behind the scenes kind of things maybe some stuff I don't know that's just kind of my assumption I don't feel like the interns are usually the the face of it so it's over a year into this investigation before police kind of start having some sort of an idea of where to go with her disappearance Police were obviously looking into friends and coworkers and people in her 
social circle that she had in Washington, D.C. And her parents tell them that, you know, there's a male friend that she's been hanging out with a lot. I We don't know anything about him. They, she'd hung out with him a lot. It seemed like she was really happy, but we don't know, like, the extent of the details. Police were like, well, we need to look into this because obviously that's a lead in a person of interest that we'd like to talk to. What they learn is that her quote-unquote friend was actually was actually a congressman in DC named Gary Condit. Gary was married at the time and about 28 years older than her and the two were supposedly having an affair with one another according to reports from people in her life. Which could cause some animosity. Oh absolutely. I mean animosity from him and you know he is married so that's always a concern as well if the spouse finds out about the mistress that's something we've talked about and heard before they find out that Chandra and Gary had met when she and one of her friends had visited his office because he was giving them a tour of the Capitol. once she started hanging out with Gary she pretty much stopped hanging out with anybody else because it had to be such a private relationship because it was Obviously, it was an affair, so that needs to be private. But then he's also in the public eye because he's a congressman. Her friends said they really didn't see much of her at this point. She would go to work. She would come home. And then sometimes she would see Gary. Like, that was pretty much her day. And she would go to the gym. It was always, like, late at night when she was able to see, see Gary because of work and their personal lives. Police obviously find this suspicious. So they reach out to Gary And Gary claims, which still to this day in 2023, Gary still claims that he and Chandra only ever had a friendship. Police were like, we're not taking you off our radar because of of course you want to be honest with us if you had anything more than that, because, you know, that makes you look suspicious. Gary could feel the suspicion from the police and was aware of it. So he ends up hiring a lawyer named Abby Lowell and she has him take a lie detector test with her. The results that came back from this lie detector test all came back clear and showed that he was innocent, quote unquote innocent. I don't know. One, lie detector tests, you can only push so much stock into those in the first place. Mm -hmm. But then it was like a private lie detector test that he took from this lawyer that he hired. And I don't know if she then submitted the results to police or like how that worked, but that did not make him less suspicious but it didn't give them anything to go off of either. Yeah, it was just kind of like a pointless thing to do, honestly. Pretty much. I think it was just to publicly clear his name is what he was trying oh. to do because he was a congressman. Yeah, and it's making it look like he's trying to help with the investigation. Yes, I think it was more just about his image more than anything because it wasn't, like like I said, police weren't going to be able to take that and do anything with it. Yep. Makes sense. Either way, Gary was never charged. He was never considered a suspect. He was just a person of interest because they wanted information out of him. He has publicly said that police have completely misconstrued whatever relationship he had with Chandra. He didn't really know her outside of work and there was nothing going on between them. The next few months go by. Police are still continuing to investigate the disappearance of Chandra until September 11th, 2001. So if you're not aware what happened on September 11th, there was an attack in both New York City and Washington, D.C., where some terrorists took over some planes. I think everybody's pretty much aware of this. However, this immediately took over all news coverage. And 
everything regarding Chandra's disappearance went dark and nobody heard about it anymore, which is extremely unfortunate because it definitely put a little bit of a rut in the investigation because police had so many other things to focus on at that time. And not that her case shouldn't have been focused on, but it was just, it was impossible for all of that to be talked about and to be investigated all at once, if that makes sense. It's unfortunate, but not surprising. So nothing continues with Chandra's case until actually not that much longer after, but it was May 22nd, 2002. There was a man who was walking in Rock Creek Park, the place that police had previously investigated and she had searched. And while he's out there, he ends up discovering skeletal remains. Police gather these remains and they do a dental record check and they determine that these remains do belong to Chandra Levy. She had been known to go to this place a couple different times. So it wasn't like that suspicious that she had would have possibly been out there because she would go run there. Next to her, they found a sweatshirt, sneakers and a Sony Walkman near her. They did complete an autopsy and they weren't able to determine the official cause of death because of how long it had been, but they determined that she had possibly been strangled. And on May 29th, 2002, police pronounced her death as a homicide. In the next few weeks, police do actually have a lead that they kind of look into, which is a man named Ingmar Gwandaki. And at the time in 2002, he was actually serving time in prison for two different attacks on women in that park. But police had nothing specific to tie him to Chandra's case. And so they weren't able to press any charges on him. The investigation was not closed at this point, but it was kind of put on the back burner for the next few years because police had nowhere to go with it. In 2008, police did reopen the investigation. And in September that year, they decided that Ingmar was still somebody that they wanted to look into and they wanted to look into it further. They search his cell and in the process of searching his cell, they find a photograph of Chandra from a magazine article and they are obviously a little curious about this. They start interviewing different inmates and people who had been involved with Ingmar over the last few years and an inmate named Armando Morales ends up coming out and saying that Ingmar had confessed to murdering Chandra before. Did they put much stock into this since it was coming from an inmate? They actually did put a good amount of stock into it. I know it goes either way depending on the case. So I wonder. Yeah. Armando actually had a, a pretty solid testimony about what his like what Ingmar had reportedly told him. So they look into it and they actually in 2009 charge Ingmar with the murder of Chandra. And during the trial, the prosecutors argue that the way that Chandra was murdered fit the pattern of attacks that Ingmar had committed on the other female runners. It was obviously suspicious. And they also had Armando testify during the trial. And so he says that while he and Ingmar were in federal prison in Kentucky, Ingmar had explained to Armando exactly how he had murdered Chandra. He tells Armando that he saw Chandra running in the park and she had a fanny pack on. And so he decided to rob her. He had no intention of killing her, but she tried to fight him off. And so he dragged her into the bushes 
And by the time he got her off the path, she was unconscious. So he took the pouch and he ran off. Didn't they say they thought she might have been strangled? So that was uh, something that was considered because of one of the bones that was broken. I forget the name of that bone. There's a bone in your neck throat area. They said that because that bone was broken, they thought that it could fit a possible strangulation attack, but they weren't able to officially determine that that was the cause of death. So it could have been something else. There was something interesting about the story that Armando claimed Ingmar had told him. That was the fact that Ingmar and Armando supposedly had discussed this fanny pack that Chandra had had on her and that he had taken, which was something that had never been talked about during the investigation. It had never been disclosed. Okay, so that's pretty incriminating. It is incriminating. So because he knew that, Armando's testimony suddenly became very accurate, right? During this trial, Ingmar is convicted and sentenced to 60 years in prison. Fantastic. However, we're not done. In 2015, Ingmar is actually granted a new trial because there's questions on the credibility of Armando's statement. Did I call that or? You did. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's an inmate's <laughs> statement. What do you expect yeah. from that? Here, Here's kind of what had happened. In 2016, this was after Armando would have been out of prison. And so he was at a hotel with this woman named Babs Proler. And they had been friends and... Armando was like telling her his life story and, you know, mentions that he was a former gang member. He was a convicted felon. He'd been recently released from prison. And then it seems like what happens is Babs is kind of like, I'm kind of not interested in this at the moment. And Armando's like, no, you're going to continue to talk to me or I'm going to hurt your ex-husband. So she starts to record their conversations. And in doing so, he tells her that he had been a witness in the Chandra Levy murder trial and then tells her that he lied during court and made up a story about Ingmar. So she provides the recordings of the conversations to the authorities and it's in this process of him having a, a retrial. Obviously this totally throws out everything that Armando had said during the initial trial. And on July 28th, 2016, all charges against Ingmar are dismissed. I struggle with that because police had confirmed that the fanny pack thing is what's suspicious mm-hmm. because he knew about that. And they had they had interviewed multiple different people who knew Chandra and they said that she did run with a fanny pack. So like they they knew that she had had one on her, but they never released it to anybody prior to this whole situation happening. So on March 3rd, 2017, there is an immigration judge who issues a final order of removal for Ingmar, and he ends up being detained at a Farmville detention center in Virginia and then is deported to El Salvador. And when they get he got there, he was turned into law enforcement officers and they took him over. He was illegally living in the U.S., And in his time here, he'd been here for many years. He was a known member of the MS-13 gang and had committed multiple violent crimes over the years. And so they said because of that, they didn't really have any choice other than to deport him, which I think makes sense. He was causing a lot of havoc here and potentially murdering people. But at this point, like 
anything he did is now being handled by police in El Salvador. There's nothing else that comes out about this case. That's the most recent update. I mean, up until 2016, police thought they had their guy in prison. Mm-hmm. And they may have had their guy in prison. I don't know. One thing that there are a couple things I kind of wanted to talk about. So one of them is and I saw some reports about it, but the trauma that her family has to go through with like the charges being dropped, which granted, if if Ingmar truly is innocent, which he could be I the fanny pack thing, I find really suspicious. But if he truly is innocent, then like I, I'm grateful that he's not serving a time for a crime that he didn't commit. He had committed other assaults, so not a great guy in general. But mm-hmm. family had closure and then lost it. So honestly, I just feel bad for them because, you know, if I was for multiple years thought that the person that had murdered my loved one was in jail and then find out like they're not like it just reopens a lot of old wounds, I feel like. One of the other things that I was going to talk about. So um, if you remember the Congressman Gary, he is still somebody that people are kind of interested in, especially now that Ingmar's name was like dismissed from this charge. So whether or not he was involved, like we don't we don't know. However, this whole situation, people believe it's this situation, but he did lose his reelection in 2002. Many people believe that he was probably involved in her disappearance. So I don't know that he ever tried to run again. I don't see anything else about him in the future. But the other thing that I find that I wanted to mention, which I kind of briefly talked about, but I think not only did everything that happened on September 11th kind of like that put a little bump in the road in her investigation, but something else that started the investigation out rocky was the fact that she was in the process of moving. And so everything in her life was being shut down. So I almost wonder if police initially thought she was leaving on her own accord because she was canceling gym memberships. Things were packed up. She was saying goodbye to friends. She was, she probably canceled other things. So I think that like, that's definitely suspicious and probably gave a rocky start to the beginning of the investigation. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of them didn't say, you know, oh, maybe she just kind of took off and she wanted to start new. Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) No, and we're told that for, like, way less things, right? Like, somebody Mm -hmm. goes missing and, you know, maybe they have one little bag packed or their purse is missing and they're like, oh, they're definitely (laughs) left on their own accord. And you're like, no. But, like, she was actually, like, in the process of leaving. So I kind of hope that they took that into consideration. But either way, the murder of Chandra Levy is unsolved at this point. We don't know who did it. And at this time, her family is still searching for answers and closure in, in regards to her murder. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, 
or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.